Hi, and welcome to TP Talks, TWC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series. In today's episode, we will be discussing how tax departments, particularly transfer pricing, are evolving to operate successfully in a world of radical transparency. My name is Dana Hart, and joining me today, I have Eric Mehta, a transfer pricing partner with PwC India, Blanca Kavari, a transfer pricing partner with PwC US, and Andrew Packman, a partner with PwC UK. Eric, I'm going to hand it off to you to moderate the discussion. Thank you, Dana. Transparency is used to refer to both a more detailed private disclosure to tax authorities such as CBCR, and also to greater public disclosure, which could be for various reasons such as regulatory reasons. Given this, Blanca, could you help set the stage and briefly outline why transparency is such a hot topic today in the area of transparency? Sure. One of the key concepts introduced by the OECD's BEPS project a few years ago was tax transparency, including transparency with respect to a multinationals, intercompany arrangements, and transfer pricing policies. Reporting requirements have consequently evolved to support these transparency objectives, such as the introduction of country-by-country -country reporting, and also there is certainly an enhanced focus on information exchange between tax authorities in different countries. In addition, there has been an increase in media scrutiny where the public and consumers in particular have become more interested in a company's tax affairs. And we have all seen headlines where multinationals have been singled out for not paying what some have described as their fair share of taxes. Finally, I would also mention the rapid developments in technology, information access, and advanced analytics, allowing tax authorities to identify taxpayer issues more quickly than ever before. That's quite a few forces coming together. Andrew, given what Blanca just outlined, how do you think companies are shifting the way they think about transparency? And what do you think are some of the best practices that you've been seeing of late? Eric, thank you for that. So just going back to that, that to the social which we started with, between transparency to tax authorities, most obviously country by country reporting and the master file local file process, and broader transparency to other people who are interested in the tax affairs of, of companies. Now, Part of this picture is that we've seen a variety of jurisdictions introduce further provisions which require greater transparency in one form or another in the public domain. So we have the um, accounting directive, for example, in the European Union, which applies to extractive companies, or CRD4, which applies to banks, which requires public country-by-country uh, -country reporting. Then we have some of the measures introduced in Australia or, or Poland or the UK, so, so taking the UK example, there's now an obligation to publish a tax strategy. So we've seen a number of, of changes in regulation which have required companies to be more transparent about their tax affairs. And so that is a part of the regulatory environment within which multinationals operate. But in addition to that, we've seen a number of companies decide that they want to go further than that and 
increase what they say voluntarily about their, their tax affairs. And we see that particularly in, with multinationals based in Spain, the Netherlands, uh, and UK and Australia. So there is something of a geographic theme here. It's perhaps rather less common in uh, Germany or France or America. Um, but, in, but in some markets, we have seen a significant increase in the level of voluntary disclosure, where companies have decided have put a good deal more material into the public uh, domain about their approach to tax, and that will be partly the amount of tax they pay, uh, but also partly the approach to tax which they take, including in some cases quite a lot of detailed information around the way in which they govern their tax affairs. So I think it's important to keep those two kinds of transparency in our minds. You know, transparency as, as concerns uh, disclosure to, to tax authorities, but then also whether it's required by law or whether it's voluntary, greater disclosure to the public. Uh, hey, thanks, Andrew. That's, this is quite insightful. Uh, and interestingly, I know as you mentioned uh, what's happening generally in the EU, but we are seeing uh, a fair amount of action in the Asia-Pacific countries as well. For example, when you mention Australia, Australia is quite ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, transparency. You've got financial reporting for significant global entities. You've got public reporting of tax information. And of course, uh, they were among the first ones to introduce the master file and the CBCR rules. So Australia has been uh, doing that quite regularly and quite aggressively. Uh, and I'm from India, so let me just briefly talk about what India is doing as well. So India has pretty much adopted the common reporting system. You've got an increased automatic exchange of information. You've got additional master file uh, reporting requirements, which are quite unique when you see it compared to other parts of the world. So, yeah, interesting changes in the Asia-Pacific with countries such as China and Korea also focusing a lot on the common reporting standards. And, of course, Japan, which now has started also asking large taxpayers to disclose information on things such as offshore property. So yes, quite a bit happening in Asia-Pacific. But moving on, Lanka, could you explain how companies uh, drive effective internal collaboration to support their strategy from a transparency perspective? Sure. Transparency in general may permeate to all functional areas of a business. And this is also true for transfer pricing transparency. If we think of example of the Action 13 master file, successfully addressing this requirement is not only a task for the tax department, but also requires collaboration with the business, finance, HR, legal, PR, investor relations, and so on. The master file generally embeds significant cross-functional information, and therefore it is important to ensure this information is consistent with other non-tax disclosures and the company's overall external communication. For example, a tax auditor can review the master file information against the LinkedIn profiles and location of a company's executives or the affiliate's website information in local language. In today's world, it is therefore imperative to have a tax transparency cross-functional strategy with clearly defined roles, decision-making and executive sponsorship, a plan that can swiftly address any unplanned events and worst-case crisis situations. 
certainly a lot of functional areas to coordinate, I guess, and each of them having their own priorities. With that, Andrew, the question to you is, how can companies plan effectively in case things go wrong? So uh, that, that's very interesting, Eric. So perhaps just starting by thinking about what we might mean by things going wrong. Um, so perhaps most obviously, if a, if a multinational finds itself being criticised in uh, criticised publicly for its approach to tax, I think you know, the, the, the the right starting point has to be a clear strategy for how a company deals with its tax affairs, including its approach to transfer pricing, for that approach to be uh, one which is sponsored uh, by the board and which is characterized by robust governance. That then needs to be uh, combined with a robust approach to the various forms of transparency, which, which will vary by jurisdiction and vary by industry, as we've discussed. And then, as Blanca was just saying, is drawing upon all the resources of the business. I think you then, um, for many companies, they will decide that they want to tell their own story about tax rather than simply providing information. So if, I think there is a danger that if, co if companies simply provide more de data and information about what tax they pay and where, then they may find that information is picked up by others and may be analyzed and characterized in a way which they may find unhelpful. And so increasingly companies are wanting to um, have a clear approach to their own story, their own uh, explanation of their approach to tax, making sure that is clearly articulated. And, and so that if there is criticism uh, made publicly, they have that clarity of thought and approach which they can then refer back to. I think the last thought I'll leave you with on this is that I think it is important to, to make sure that all of the elements of the business are, are taken account. Most importantly, perhaps, the employees. Very often when these, these problems arise, uh, employees can be left in the dark about what the, what the situation is and the approach which their employer has taken. And that can be really very unhelpful as compared to a situation where employees are able confidently to explain the approach which they're uh, their company has taken. So there is, I think, when dealing with a problem, ideally one would want to be able to rely upon firm foundations around clarity on strategy, good governance, and a robust approach to, to communication. Oh, absolutely, Andrew. I think you're, you're quite spot on uh, because uh, it's the whole image of the company and the trust that a corporate body has built over, over the years, which is what uh, can be under a scanner with these uh, increased transparency norms. So with that, uh, Blanca and Andrew, any final thoughts on the importance of maintaining transparency to increase corporate trust? My final thought would be that some companies view indeed transparency as a threat to their business, and it may spiral into crisis if not addressed appropriately. However, companies that have a proactive front cross-functional plan to address transparency may even leverage it to their advantage and can emerge stronger from unplanned events. The first step in building a transparency strategy is a current state assessment of your readiness to address the various tax and non-tax transparency challenges. Not sure where to get started? PwC has developed an actionable assessment tool that enables you to assess your current readiness, 
identify the potential threat areas and then start formulating your transparency cross-functional plan. Blank, I agree with, with all of that. I suppose that the point I would want to add to that is that this has to start with a, that robust understanding of the way in which the approach to tax policy is, is changing. For example, if you're a company with significant digital operations, then getting ahead of the current concerns in the European Union and the OECD about how digital businesses are taxed will be very important. So that companies should not just be looking backwards as to the current regime which they need to be dealing with, the current set of legislation, but also having an eye to what is coming down the track. The areas of concern which um, policymakers are raising, digital taxation is the, is the obvious example at the moment. There will be others in the future. And I think as tax departments think about their approach to transparency in the context of their transfer pricing policies, um, that yes, they need to be able to explain clearly what they've done in the past, but they also need to have an eye to what the, the concerns and issues which are being raised by policymakers, whether that be domestically or other transnational bodies like, like the OECD. Great. Thank you, Eric, Blanca, and Andrew. And thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please contact the speakers. You can find their contact information in the description of this episode. Thank you.